Welcome to the Jujitera's podcast. My name is Stacy. I'm a Jujitera, and this is my podcast. For today's episode, you are going to hear the amazing interview that I did with Samantha Haddlestad. She's training to be a professional competitor. She was the 2022 World Masters Champion. Um, she's a jiu-jitsu purple belt and trains at Gracie Baja, Ottawa. And she really does offer some amazing insights. And because she's also a leader at her Gracie Baja school, and she also is a, a purple belt, she does have lots of experience, then she can offer more of an insight into what does it mean to be that upper belt? What does it mean to be a leader in the school? And so I think that this is going to be a really great experience for everybody listening as well. I do need to let you know that during the editing process, I realized that there was some volume issues with the audio track that I had. I think it was my microphone. I was set too loudly. So when you hear me talking, you might hear that my voice comes through louder than Sam's. So I did try to even that out so I wasn't blasting out people's eardrums. So I apologize if there are some waves in the volume of the track, but I did try to even them out. I really hope that you guys are able to adapt to the volume and that you're able to listen to the conversation because it really, really is an amazing conversation. And I do feel like I need to add a little bit of a disclaimer slash warning is that Sam does talk about some in experiences that she went through, which are probably not suitable for children. Um, nothing, I mean, nothing graphic is explained, but I think maybe this would be a good one for adults to preview before listening to it for the first time in the car with the kids. So, you know, just FYI. All right, without further ado, here is Samantha Haddlestad. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be a guest on your podcast. Thank you. Would you please introduce yourself for the podcast audience? Yes. Uh, my name is Samantha Haddlestad. I am a purple belt. I'm on Team Gracie Baja, and I've been training for about four years now. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So the big question, how did you get started in jujitsu? Oh, boy. So this is um, kind of, and since we're on a podcast, I guess I'll give you the long form answer. Yeah, of course. Um, you, you can say as much or as little as you want. Okay. <laughs> so from the time I was a little girl, I always wanted to play sports. It's just something in my DNA. And, you know, because of who my father was, I just was never allowed. And, you know, he didn't want to spend the money and we were homeschooled and things were, were rough. It's definitely like really hard for me because, you know, I had an abusive father and never would let us do anything. Um, Sports wise, we were homeschooled, kind of cut off from the world. 
Um, but I, what I did know is one of the things I wanted to do more than anything in the world is play sports and um, just be athletic. And I left home at, and this is a short form of a much longer story, but um, I've been on my own since I was 16 years old and I work full time while I finished high school and try to make it on my own and help support my younger siblings. I was in Wisconsin. That's where I grew up. And then I, you know, still, you know, not doing anything athletic. And then I made the decision to move to Denver, Colorado. I took $200 and booked a ticket. And I had an aunt out there that I didn't know. And I moved out there and started working. And eventually I started running. So I was like, I need to, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I should probably get in shape. So I started doing that. And I ended up uh, boxing first and I had a horrible experience at a gym. And so that that's a whole other story for another day. But, and then I started bodybuilding and I actually continued bodybuilding and won a bunch of stuff doing that. And then I was like, you know, I really didn't like the industry. It's very conceited. There's like a dark underbelly about it that a lot of people don't know. And the crowd really wasn't for me in bodybuilding, but I love the discipline. I love how regimented I was and I love how strong I got. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's hard because I didn't know most sports you have to be playing since you're a child to have any shot at being great at. And so I'm like, well, you know, boxing, bodybuilding, like I can do that stuff. And then I went and tried judo at Denver judo and they have a great thing going there and I loved it like as soon as I stepped on the mat I was like it was weird it was like this this is part of who I am I just connected with it and it's hard to even explain like this is what I'm supposed to do especially when we did the the sparring on the ground Mewaza, I think is what they call it and then things in my life changed and I ended up moving to Canada and you know I started school university and you know I'm like okay well whenever I get time I'm going to start Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I knew that was more the, the grappling heavy side judo is great but I'm like I want to I want to grapple and so then I actually started that's how I started my jiu-jitsu journey I started two weeks before the first lockdown ironically and uh <laughs> And part of the reason I started judo, like when I tried in Denver before I moved, was I've had a lot of trauma at the hands of men. You know, we all have like a default fight, flight, or freeze, and mine was always freeze. And that's not like who I am as a person, but it's not something that was my default. So I needed to find a way to train that. And so then I started jujitsu and obviously I like loved it. I'm like, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do, you know? Yeah. So I, I was like, wow, this is, I've never felt so connected to anything ever where it just like clicked. And I was so, and I think part of it is it's so intellectually stimulating as well as physically stimulating because yes. it's, yeah, it's an ocean. Um, mm-hmm. You can make it what you want. You know, you can become an expert in certain techniques and you can take 
there's always a counter to someone else's technique. It's just like physical chess. And I love that. And uh, I trained my, so I started two weeks before the first lockdown and like not, not a great gym. And, um, but it was the one closest to me <laughs> where I lived at the time. And the lockdown happened. And then I trained underground with like six other dudes. So we would just meet four days a week, four or five days a week and roll for an hour and a half. So I wasn't really getting any technique and I was just getting my ass handed to me uh, mm -hmm. every day. And the other smallest person next to me was probably had, I think, 30 pounds on me, but everybody else was like 50 to 80 pounds. So, oh. and, and, and it gets even better. We were training in, it was like a gym above an auto shop and there was no AC during the summer. So it was almost a hundred oh, no. degrees in there too. So that oh. was like, oh no, oh I got no, fast tracked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my white belt, uh, like I, I that was the the fire there. And then I, I actually trained at a few other gyms before I found Gracie Baja. None of them quite fit, but. I started competing as a white belt in probably, let's see, six months in to doing jujitsu. And I, I never stopped until now. And I joined Gracie Baja, obviously met my partner through Gracie Baja, which is great. But I actually got my blue belt right before I got my blue belt, mostly training underground, which is hilarious. But <laughs> I joined Gracie Baja and then trained my ass off, competed. And luckily, like my partner is an owner of one of the gyms and we were able to bring a lot. He was training uh, as well, but we were able, he was able to bring a lot of cool people in for us to train with in our, our camp because we ended up going to Masters Worlds last year and I ended up winning uh, the open weight for Blue Belt. So that Congratulations. Was cool. um, That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, the goal is to do it again next year at Purple. Hopefully, I'm going to try adult. I normally compete in adult. Masters mm -hmm. was actually the first time that I competed at uh, Masters, but they were all my age. So, you know, all like 30. So it wasn't a big deal. But yeah, it was, it was super tough. And fight camp was tough but I did it and so that's like kind of how I started training but also like <laughs> what a little bit of what happened after yeah um, that's great I mean your story certain aspects of your story unfortunately yeah. are common among a lot of women yeah. and I think also the the having to sort of train yourself out of the freeze reaction mm -hmm. I also yeah. pre-jujitsu I would freeze you yeah. know, um, and now I fight. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> now I like, I'm like, I'm ready. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I just got reminded of an incident from like three years ago that my professor still teases me about now. It's library guy. So professor Carlos listens to this. He'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, not to get too off track, but, um, unfortunately uh -huh. that particular type of experience is common with a lot of women. Yep. And oh, I yeah. think, that experience either kind of pushes them to learn self-defense like it did for you. Mm -hmm. But I think for a yep. lot of women, it sort of 
kind of makes them shrink away from trying something like this. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's so intimidating. And I think part of the reason I had already become really strong from bodybuilding and all the weight training I was doing. So I'd built a little bit of confidence before I started jujitsu and like what my physical capabilities were. Cause, and I'm not tooting my own horn here, but like I'm a freak strong and that helps a lot, especially when you're rolling with men, you know, yeah. but it, also like it also hurts me too in a way that i'll talk about in a second but the it's it's super intimidating it's mostly men when you start Mm -hmm. so you know just because of who i am i'm so stubborn and determined i was like i'm just i can't care about that and i've had many occasions where i've had panic attacks on the mat and had to leave and like because of people that I was training with and positions that I was in. So it's like, it hasn't been easy at all. And there's lots of times where it's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this, but it like forced me to work through it in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, like I've rolled with people at other gyms that like, were not like my friend or close training partner who I knew didn't like rolling with such a strong woman or whatever just had an ego and I'm like mm-hmm. okay this sucks but they're not trying to kill me and I'm okay but it takes a long time to like work through that and I just like obviously being growing up I always wanted to be a, a professional athlete and achieve great things in a sport and so obviously that's like a pillar of why I do jiu-jitsu because it's going to serve that purpose but the other pillar for me is empowering women to do jujitsu and like find their power because we're so much stronger than we think we are than society tells us we are like we're always told like we can't compete with guys and we're not as strong and we're not as athletic and we're not this and we're not that and there's this expectation for us to be like happy-go-lucky and always accommodating and never pushing back on anything and you know that that's a problem and I think one of my goals is to make a space for for women in my community, but I would love to, like, the next part of my journey be a teacher of women. Like, I would love to make female black belts someday, and I would love to, you know, make a program for women that have gone through some of the things that I've gone through. And realistically, like, any woman, as you know, that comes into train has gone through something like that. Like, the severity is a scale, Mm -hmm. but especially if they're there they're like I see like a purpose for knowing how to do this stuff so that's such a something that's so close to my heart because it it's so hard like it's just so hard and through the process of like learning to defend yourself and learning jujitsu especially in the environment of a gym that's mostly well most sports are male dominated but jujitsu well yeah i mean jujitsu in particular hence this podcast trying to get more yeah you know yeah it's tough it's tough so any like like at my gym i've started i do women's only open mats for uh the women at gracie box we have four schools in our area so Mm -hmm. i throw one and make it more kind of structured and then i started a a WhatsApp group for the team because from any woman in any program, 
like in our schools, be, just for a place for us to talk, because I, I also find there's like a clickiness problem, like, oh, I don't Facebook, or I don't, I don't yeah. know, Instagram, and people like start these group chats. And I'm like, that's not mm-hmm. fair. Like, if you're on the team, yeah. you should have access to like the community. So I try to do that. But it's just being that that face, like, if I see somebody that's newer and intro, I'll be like, hey, how are you? Like, thanks for I do coming. That too. Why did you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> How do you like jujitsu? How did you hear about jujitsu? Like, I'm a female. Like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, I mean, I guess a different kind of point is that we, as the higher belts, like the more experienced, mm-hmm. it's, it's our duty and our responsibility yeah. to nurture those who are coming after us, you know? For sure. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so yeah, I have absolutely. to wonder if some of the white belts also, if they walk into a class and, and the women in particular too, but I'm just kind of talking white belts in general, like if, especially when they're yeah. brand new and they walk into a class and they see people with like purple belts, brown belts, you know, that kind of thing. I yeah. have to imagine they might be a little intimidated to approach those people. Yeah. So oh, that's 100%. also part of why we need to be approaching them and be like, hey, come, you know, come here welcome yeah yeah welcome especially me like I have social anxiety as it is and like any new environment especially martial arts like we're comfortable now because we understand the protocol we understand what to do when you get on the mat we understand how to tie your belt we understand like what you do and what you don't do um but they don't exactly (laughs) I literally made a podcast episode about that it's like what do you do (laughs) when you go in but yeah no anyway it's it's a lot of it's overwhelming and just to have somebody like and I'm gonna try to encourage us more just go up to the new people and just talk to them especially the upper belts because like if you can make that a culture in your school I feel like that's huge because Definitely. that they'll stay then because on my first day like first of all nobody tried to beat me up and second of all people came and talked to me exactly. so yeah that's exactly. that's huge. And I think yep. I think I, the culture as well is a very important part of jujitsu. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I've I've sprinkled in talking about this here and there, but I really yeah. appreciate that you brought that up because you also have been in different gyms that had different cultures, mm-hmm. and yep. so you've seen, you know, the the nurturing culture that we strive for at Gracie Baja, but then also yeah. you've seen other. Cult, yeah. you know, the other cultures that are being allowed in different yeah. places and yeah. how that affects it's people. Two of the gyms I were at, definitely. I mean, I don't want to say it was negative, but yeah. there were like too many negatives for me. Like it didn't fit with what mm-hmm. I wanted for my the team I wanted to be a part of. And then one of the gyms I was at was actually really good, but with my goals at the time, like they were just getting started and you know, I had heard a lot about Gracie Baja and I just wanted to try. But this gym that I was at, one of the owners is female. And so that really helped with their culture because she started to grow like a really good, like fundamentals, uh, women's only class. And mm-hmm. that's huge. Like, that's the point I was going to say next. Like, I think I think one of the biggest issues in jujitsu today is the lack of female leadership, the lack of females in decision making roles like owners of the gym because males decide everything and they see things through their lens 
And that I've seen that that's a problem. And I've seen it actually be a problem, like cause problems. Yeah. Well, and you and I I were chatting before recording about Mm -hmm. kind of the, the lack of female representation in Mm -hmm. the sport in particular. And, you know, we, we mentioned like, well, I'm sure the women are out there. But we just yeah. where are they? Like I don't know where you yeah, are. Where are yeah. So I think I, that because you and I a lot yeah. of times are the only women in our classes. Yeah. You know. It's, yeah. And so yeah. when you're consistently not seeing anyone else, and then also like yeah. social medias and stuff, and like you were literally just saying, like there's no or hardly any. I don't know where they are female gym leaders you know school owners like females in leadership it's like well where are you so it's that's also a huge reason of why i wanted to start this podcast in the first place was like find the women and bring them together and like point each other in these directions i think part of the issue is that obviously like things are multifactorial right it's it's very Mm -hmm. rarely one single cause but if you think about it like jiu-jitsu is relatively new right so and obviously it was geared towards men and but just because of what it is like fighting yes like that's been you know a man's thing historically and so it takes a while to get a black belt right and now we're we have more female black belts than ever which is really good because that's how it happens like guys get black belts and some of them go and start schools and that's how you start a school. But now I think the tide will slowly start to change because jujitsu is becoming more mainstream. More women are starting to join. We're behind, of course, because we're just, you know, behind. But I think it'll take more women like us having these conversations. It'll take, you know, women inviting other women to join jujitsu and making it a safe space and supporting each other which is huge and i think also more like just naturally more women will start to hopefully open schools i know myself and my partner he wants to like eventually sell his shares in some of the schools and us just have a school which will be really nice because it'll be owned by both of us and so i think that will just help with bringing women into the into the program and uh, the main gym that i train at there is a number of females that train there which is nice because some of our classes are really big so we'll have 50 or 60 people in a class and maybe like six or seven of them are female so again still like small but like that's not nothing it's the comp training that we need to work on but (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. well speaking of comp training would you like to talk about your experiences as a female competitor (laughs) yeah sure you know, I, I love it. I love I love training hard. And, you know, th- this last week, I've been more the nail than the hammer, but ultimately, that just represents an opportunity to get better. And the room that I train with is really tough. Like, it'll be more than half purple, brown, black belts, and then some blue belts, and a few white belts sprinkled in there. And there's some really high level people that train with us, which is good. It's what you want. But it's honestly like a lot of a lot of times when you're training really hard for like training for worlds you you we had 90 minute comp training 
like four four times a week minimum, sometimes five times a week. And I I tell myself like if I don't feel like crying, I probably didn't train hard enough. And so like that's what it feels like. And I do it's hard because I do love it, but at the same time, like it's hard and jujitsu is really hard. And like you have some weeks where you're like, I'm actually getting worse. Like I actually feel like I'm getting worse. Like I felt like that too. Yeah. Now, I don't think that's it. true, but you—that's how it no. feels. You that's know, how it feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it feels. Ninety minutes sure. of comp training five days a That's really intense. On it's top really of regular intense. training. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, really yeah. Intense. We would sometimes do um, the PM classes too. Yeah, it was. It, granted, you can only do that for so long. So our fight camp was probably eight weeks leading up to worlds, me and my partner. Um, my partner is a second degree black belt, European champion. He's been, you know, really supportive and uh, was we were able to bring some really cool people in to train with us, um, which was great. Octavio Souza, Pamela Bajal, Tiago Barros. Um, I think that really helped as well. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good to have support around you because especially if you work full time, like you just work and compete or sorry, work and train Mm -hmm. and that that's your life. So like, luckily for me, uh, I'm more introverted and, you know, my socializing is at the gym anyways. So I'm not like (laughs) leaving behind a bunch of friends, (laughs) you know, but yeah, it's good that my, my partner has been really supportive and, helping me make a make a plan and he competes too so he understands what it is what it's like and what it takes and he's been competing for a long time so yeah so it's it's good it's good now look what are your goals like what are your goals with competition yeah that's a good question so um basically be a world champion as much as possible and as many times as i can (laughs) um from now till black belt obviously now that I'm purple, the game changes a bit because there's less of a margin between purple and black. So the plan for next year is to, if we can do pans, do pans, uh, do adult worlds and do master's worlds. I'm going to specialize, like keep in the gi for now. I have competed a bit in no gi, but it's not really my focus. And um, I think that eventually after I've won more world titles in the gi, then I'll switch to doing some nogi um, because it's, if you look at all the highest level people, they all started specializing in the gi, like Musumeci, Marigali, Fiona Davies, Kendall Rusing. Like their journey is like gi 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 gi, and then now black belt at the highest echelon. I mean, Fiona has won world two years in a row now, but also won worlds, or maybe it was pants. One of them in nogi as well. For me, I'm specializing in the gi, and the the idea is to try to win a world title at every belt. And I might make a run at ADCC um, once I get to black belt too. I I don't really know yet. I haven't thought that far, but because I do love no gi, but you know, uh, my partner thinks it's better. I focus on the gi right now, and I do too, because that's the gi is superior in my opinion because of the fact that you can be a specialist in a gi and then transition to no gi and still mess people up but you can't do no gi and then go in the gi and do anything 
So <laughs> it's it's different. I mean, it is a different game. You it's have different. to do things differently. It's yeah. I mean, anybody who's yeah. ever trained gi and no gi, like you know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Those are some yeah. really big goals. Were you yeah. wanting to become like a professional competitor full time? Yeah, I would love. I would love that. I would love that. That's ultimately the goal. I have a lot. I have a lot of goals. Obviously, I'm uh, running a company right now mm-hmm. and co-owner of a company, and that that's a lot. And honestly, like it's really really hard to balance everything. I've been burning the candle at both ends, and I've been sick on and off basically since worlds like in worlds last year i came out with some nasty injuries and then um yeah i sprained my mcl in my first match and ended up fighting seven that day total and um sprained my ankle on my fifth match and then i couldn't train when i came back like i could i could barely walk the next day and then luckily i didn't tear it just like very small little tears but not a full tear and I couldn't train really for six seven weeks and then I came back to training for like a month and then I sprained my other MCL and my other knee training so it's been like that plus I've been sick every other like every six weeks it's like um it's just been and trying to build a company at the same time I think it's just been a lot going on so me and my partner have made a game plan of how we're going to kind of approach like the balance of training and and uh, work because it's tough. But world, I actually at Worlds I ended up losing my weight and then registering for the open weight and then winning open weight. And that was one of the harder days. Well, definitely my hardest day competing for sure because it just, I worked so hard to get there. And then I'm running through people like, First match points, second match submission, third match points. I'm just running through people. And then I get to my fourth match. And so this is semifinals. So I ended up taking bronze. And she was like super intimidating. So that was my first problem. She's, I'm 5'3", and she had to have been like 5'10". Oh. And... um really good because I'd seen her before and mm-hmm. um no problem like I get out there I swept her right away mm-hmm. but then I came up and she put a diamond lock on me and this is one thing that's really important is like to train these bad positions because if you're not in them enough when you get in them the competition you're you're going to be screwed it, because mm-hmm. I the adrenaline like this is a jujitsu con, okay? So jujitsu con and Masters Worlds. For people that haven't been there, there's 28 mats. There's an expo. It's a dull roar. Like you can't even walk between the mats and the bleachers, like because there's so many people. You have to walk around. Like it's huge. There's people everywhere. Already, I'm on alert because I'm really introverted, and this is a lot of like it's a lot of stimulation for me. And then you're competing. And then there's just screaming everywhere and the adrenaline that's going on because like I'm competing at worlds. <laughs> so, and then, so she put me in like diamond lock position. She didn't have a triangle, but 
she was locked diamond and I had one arm in. Mm -hmm. And what I needed to do was turn my body the other way, but I turned it the wrong way and I got arm locked. So it was a very, very dumb mistake, but I couldn't even hear, I couldn't even hear Nick, my partner coaching me because I was in a panic. Mm -hmm. So it was over and I'm bawling. Like I'm just devastated. I'm crushed. I like feel like I got hit by a truck and I cried for about 40 minutes. And then it took me that long to mentally turn it around. And I went mm-hmm. and got a burrito because I hadn't eaten because I'm like that close on weight that I just like eat mm-hmm. donuts mm-hmm. after I weigh in. Because IBJJF, you, you weigh in an hour before or 30 minutes before you fight. So there's no, no real weight cuts. Yeah. And then I went and registered for open weight. And the girl that won my division got knocked out first round. My first match was with the weight class below me world champ. And I beat her. And then I won open weight by some miracle. And I like open weight is fighting for people out there that don't know. You're fighting all the, the people that placed in the podium from each weight division. So mm-hmm. it's technically it's supposed to be harder. Mm-hmm. And it was very hard. I was hoping the girl that beat me signed up, but she didn't actually sign up for open weight. So I was bummed about that. But she did watch and actually like gave me a hug after, which was really, really sweet. She's very, very sweet. She stuck around and watched and then like gave me a hug when I came out. So it was really, Aww. really good. Yeah. We stayed connected. But- well, and I think that's something that we can appreciate. We can appreciate good skill yeah. in each other. Like yeah. you don't have yeah. to be enemies. No, necessarily. No. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously, yeah. when you're facing off against each other, it's like, well, yeah, I want to win. But like, you're not necessarily my enemy. I can appreciate no. when you're good. No, you, know? I think you need to have gratitude for anybody that is willing to put them put it on the line and come out and compete, especially women like guys, you know, everyone's out there competing. But women, it's like, not a ton of women train in the first place. And then those that go and compete are even fewer. Like me, I'm very business-like. Like if I have to break your arm to win because you're not having, I will. Like I will do it. And then I will cry with you after. Like I'm that serious. Like I don't care. <laughs> but I'm so grateful to anyone who who comes and competes, any woman who comes and competes. Like, and I'm all, I hate like bad sportsmanship. Like give them a hug after. This is hard. Like they came out there and laid it on the line with you. Even if they beat you, like, be grateful that they're even there in the first place because if women didn't come out to compete, like I wouldn't get to compete. So like, you know, and she was absolutely lovely. So yeah, that there has to be a separation there for sure. But um, it was a day. Would you say that many people are able to do that kind of separate the emotions of the match from how they view the other person as a person? (sighs) Not everyone. I think women are probably better at it because we don't by default have as much ego mm-hmm. and there is so few of us but yeah it, it it's tough like after I lost I hugged her and I was like crying I'm like that was so good and I'm so sad <laughs> like I wasn't mad at her I was mad at myself because ultimately like there's no reason to be mad at your opponent because it wasn't your opponent that beat you she didn't beat me I beat me mm-hmm. you know I didn't do what I needed to do to win at the end of the day that's my fault right well so, but you learned though 
right? Isn't that yeah. that's what we say? That's what we tell. That's what we tell yeah. everybody who competes, and especially the kids. It's like you you win or you learn. It's like you well, learn, yeah, not gonna do that next time, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I will say, like, I haven't competed, and I've fought quite a few matches. I haven't competed against anyone that was like rude to me oh, afterwards. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's everyone, encouraging you know. to hear. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like I feel like because I know you said earlier about like social media and stuff, but like sometimes I think that the drama just gets hyped up. But in yeah. real life, I would say that's very minimal. Like I think in real life, <clears throat> how you described, like you know, you mm-hmm. you hug and you shake hands and you say, yeah, congratulations and you know stuff like that, and then. You kind of go back to your own drawing board and you yeah. take your experience and you're like, okay, well, I did this and like she countered with that and like I need to get I need to, you know, whatever, defend that and Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I think for the most part that's true. I obviously and it depends on what you're talking about. Like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in general is better than like MMA because MMA has kind of become with these different polarizing figures like kind of taking the script from pro wrestling to Mm. create the the story of drama which I get it it sells but it's not my favorite like I think you should it's important to have like a personality but um in jujitsu you don't see it as much but you're starting to see it a little bit now like I know there is too a lot of, especially in MMA, where it's like, this is a personality because I'm trying to uh, make money. And I don't completely fault them for that because they're not paid enough, period, anyways. So it's like, if I'm going to get sponsorships and make money off fighting, I'm literally putting myself in like severe danger every time I go out there. I don't, don't necessarily blame them for that, but I do appreciate Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and that in general, it's like, people are pretty respectful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the gentle art, you know, we, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Gracie Baja, like we, we keep saying all the time, like jujitsu for life, you know, we need to preserve not just ourselves, but our training partners as well. Yeah. So we can keep training. Cause that's at the end right. of the day, that's what we all love. We all just, we want to train, you know? Yeah. So I think that also really helps too, is having that mentality of, yep. well, not only do I need to go to work on Monday, but I also want to tra- yeah. keep training 10 years from now. Yep. You know? Yep. For sure. For sure. I think that's, yeah, that's important. And something that when I was like a white belt and even a little bit into blue, I was kind of a turbine. I took everyone in and I spat them out. And I wasn't even. I wasn't being malicious or even competitive. It was just like, I think because of where I started in jujitsu, I was always like fighting for my life, mm-hmm. basically. And I think I just kept that intensity. But now that you, especially when you build more skill, it's like mm-hmm. I roll differently with white belts than I do with, you know, blue belts or purple belts or whatever. Um, if you're super new, I'm only going to do certain things or I'm going to work on a new part of my game and I'm not going to tap you every 30 seconds because I can. And I think something, I think something that what I've seen that we need to have empathy for men and women, because actually this comes out more 
uh, ne negatively with like white belt males is that this is a very sympathetic nervous system inducing sport. And luckily, Gracie Ball has like rules like you can't live train until you have a stripe on your belt and you've been to 10 classes, but a lot of gyms don't. So mm -hmm. they just let people spar right away, which is not a good idea. But anyways, even when they, they've had their 10 classes and they start sparring, especially because they're men, they're like, well, anybody, but also it makes it, it doesn't help because they're men like, oh, I'm fighting. Like I need to fight and mm -hmm. I'm just going to like mm -hmm. go crazy because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> and exactly we, yep we get mad at them because we're like oh you know they're just like trying to go ham and go crazy but it's like they don't they actually don't know what else to do and i try exactly. to exactly that yeah they don't know what else to do and they think that's what they're supposed to do and they don't have the the technical knowledge or the experience to be like oh maybe i shouldn't crush this blue belt woman that I'm 60 pounds more than because a lot of them are not malicious they're not like I'm gonna yeah. show her who's boss they're just like I actually I'm I'm in like a milder state of fight or flight and I'm sparring right now and I don't really understand the rules completely yet and mm -hmm. so I try to explain that like we just gotta we just gotta help them along you know and exactly one million percent I couldn't yeah. agree anymore with that because it's, I've seen it too. And it's, I remember being a white belt. And when I finally had like a couple of stripes, I was sparring with people and I was just, I felt constantly just smashed and stuff. I was like, I don't know what to do. And then I would have people, you know, asking me, it's like, well, why aren't you like defending? And I, I had to like look them in the face. It was like, I literally don't know what to do. What I do you want me to do? I literally don't know. I was like, I know, I know like one technique from guard and like one technique from side control and that's it. I was like, what do you want yeah. from me? You know? Yeah. So and I like, think what happens is yeah. when you have the guys who get their ass, the white belt guys, they get their ass handed to them by the upper belts. And then, so they go with someone, their, their own skill level or um, like a smaller woman. And they're like, now's the time yeah it's like it's like they want revenge they want yeah. to kind of get the feeling of power back they want that kind of um like you said like ego they want to stroke their well, ego again to me, like, so now I'm gonna do it yeah exactly that kind of the kind of um negative pay it forward type of deal like well it happened to me yeah. just now so I'm gonna make sure it happens to you which yeah. that's a whole different yeah. podcast episode. I don't understand the mentality necessarily, but, but yeah, it's you kind and of like, I kind of get it. And it's like, no, like, I know. But I'll like, as an, as like a upper belt, I mean, it's like, you gotta help. Yes. Down. Yeah. I've had like different incidents with, I, I've actually, I've had to have conversations with men and women about their intensity while rolling with certain people or, or like making certain offhanded comments and stuff like that. Like, it's just not cool but there's one incident and like I'm I'm somewhat of a mat enforcer but I try to do it in a way that is not um well I'll just explain the story so there's a blue belt lady who's a mom and she's you know like everybody's mom she's like 85 pounds soaking wet oh my gosh. so tough the strongest small the strongest small person I've ever rolled with it's like <laughs> unbelievable she's insane um she's amazing and there's this white belt guy probably 150 60 pounds and I think it was like 
king of the hill or something. She can still chase like, yeah, he put his like knee in my throat. And I'm just like, whoa, that's not cool. And I'm like, who mm, is That's it? not jujitsu. Like we don't do that. Yeah. And it was probably somewhat of an accident, but it's like, you don't use knee on belly for someone like that. I'm sorry. If you're that much bigger, like I'm just, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to like, even me and I weigh less than that guy. I'm not going to do that to Jamie because mm-hmm. she's my training partner and I like her doesn't mean I can't submit her, you know, whatever, but it's like, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. And uh, so I, I go and I'm like, Hey man, do you have next round for me? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> because, like <laughs> knew something was up. And I like, I do a round with him and you know, I, I didn't do anything mean, but I submitted him three or four times in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, afterwards, I'm like, listen, man, like, I empathize with you. I know being a white belt is really tough, but we need to really pay attention to who we're rolling with and the techniques we're using with these people. And he's like, well, do you have any like specific examples? I'm like, yes. When you're rolling with the smallest person in the gym, especially the smallest woman in the gym, like we can't, you know, who's you have 60, 70 pounds on, we're not going to do knee on belly. We're not going to like put pressure on her throat. Like, I get it. I don't think you meant it. I don't think you're malicious. I think you're, I think you're great, but we just can't be doing that. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not what we're about here. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I thought it well, was really I mean, well. Did he change, did he change his behavior though? I think so. I think so. I haven't seen him a ton, but again, we train in different classes, but I haven't had any complaints. So, well, but I mean, yes. you know, to your point with, with having to be the mat enforcer, like that has to happen. Somebody in somebody charge, somebody with experience, somebody yep. in the leadership position has yeah. to do that. Because yeah. if you don't, that's how you create this like out of control type of environment and this, this culture yeah. of like me against them instead of the two of us working together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to have females that can do that because, Mm -hmm. you know, it it was like, listen, buddy, like, it's not because you're a guy that you could put the beat down on her, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm about to show you (laughs) that you're a white belt for a reason. And (laughs) you just need to be better. Like, a woman can beat you up. And ultimately, it's not about that. But it's like, Hey man, like you don't just get to to do that because they're smaller and they're a woman. Yeah. You know, I've had similar conversations with um, beginners that I've trained with as well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll tell them like, depending on the circumstance, of course, but some of the things I've told them, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, mostly it's like, you just, you just need to calm down. Just control your breathing. Cause like some of these guys, you know, they get so, like they're so hyped they're so on adrenaline they're just like oh my gosh yeah like i'm doing a match i don't blame them you know well yeah i know because i was like that too i remember using too much strength the first time i sparred i literally had to stop in the middle of the of the sparring session and i literally was like i'm so tired and my coach was like that's because you're using way too much strength and i'm like i don't know what that means and i don't know how to control it <laughs> obviously I like i learned like, over time but it's so hard it like time. you don't understand it does take time yeah and i find you know? what i'll do is i'll like break it up like if i feel someone especially a white belt is like going too crazy i'll like 
make a joke like while training so it's like oh like we're not actually trying to kill each other like we're just having fun here and so like stop make a joke or be like hey like I know you're trying to do this like give them a tip to like help them out be like hey like do this instead when I do this or I'll be like oh my god I didn't expect you to move that quickly like I'm just like joking so they're like they like immediately like oh we're just we're just playing games here, you know, like, I don't need to freak out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there have been a, a couple people where I've actually had to say, you know, I, after I tell them to control their breathing, I was like, well, I've noticed you're breathing, like, really hard, you know, so just control your breathing. Yeah. And then I have, I've had to ask a couple people, like, I'm not trying to hurt you. Like, I'm not gonna hurt yeah. you. I was, Are you trying to hurt me? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what? okay. Like, we're just, we're just here. We're just here, you know, practicing techniques fun, and stuff. Like, we're just having fun. We're just you know, chilling. yeah, we're just chilling. Like it's it's no big deal. You know, it's no big deal. It's like it's it's you can relax. Like I'm yeah. not going to hurt you. You don't want to hurt me either. Like we're just here as training partners. Like yeah, it's all right. Yeah. You know. And then yeah, also depending sure. on the person I'm training with, um, especially if they're like a zero stripe white belt, mm-hmm. I will kind of preface the the training and by asking them, I was like, okay, would you like to practice the technique from today? Yes. Yes. And usually they're just like, yeah, because I don't remember half of it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And like, I'm totally fine with them doing that. And then sometimes if they have a couple stripes, I I usually, I just defend. I just kind of like, yeah, I don't want to say like sit there, but like, I just kind of am very like, I'm just going to let you do. Yeah. I just, I just, I'm I'm on the ground most of the time. Like, and I'd let them try to work on whatever they can work on. And sometimes if I can see in their face, they're just like the, 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 uh, I don't know what to do. Look, yeah. And I'll ask them. Like, like, well, oh, so yeah. So here we're in this position. What can you do from here? And they're like, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, and then so usually, you know, I can tell yeah. them something to do, or sometimes depending on the person, I'll ask them like Socratic questions to get them to think it through. You know, yeah. but it's like, but like we can pause. You know what I mean? Like we can pause what we're doing to give them time to kind of think about what they're actually doing it's you know 100 percent. it helps it helps develop their body awareness too and bringing it back to the culture it helps the culture of the school because you you want to encourage friendship between like jujitsu is really intimate like for example if i go to yeah don't make it weird like if I if we travel because me and my partner will travel sometimes for work like we'll teach an instructor's course to a different gym that's like not Gracie Baja or whatever mm-hmm. I once I get on the mat because usually um, my partner will teach a jujitsu seminar as well so we'll mm-hmm. do that at night and the next day we'll like teach a instructor's course for the instructors of that school and I will get on the mat as soon as I get on the mat I go around to each person and I introduce myself like hey how's it going my name's sam what's your name and i do i try to do that like at my gym as well say hi to everybody like if there's a new person introduce myself because we're very this is very intimate like let's not make it weird like if i'm gonna fight you like i should at least know your name and probably something about you probably (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah it really it really helps like just get people more comfortable and then I think that I think that alone is what will prevent like injuries due to 
people going too hard or being crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's also something where we always have top of mind is, is try, I mean, you can't prevent every injury, but you want to at least prevent as many as you can, you know, education, you know, educate them, get them to like realize sort of what they're doing, give them options for what to do. Because I remember that feeling very clearly like, oh, and, yeah. you know, from seven years ago, being only like f- four to six months in and thinking, mm-hmm. being very frustrated and yeah. actually considering quitting. Obviously I didn't, yeah. but it was, we you all, know, we all it was, it. yeah, but it was, it was, I was only like six months in and I was just like, I suck at this. This is the worst. I don't understand this. I don't know what to do when I'm in these situations and stuff, but it's just, I mean, obviously now looking back, I'm just like, well, of course you didn't. Like, you've only been doing it for a few months. Like, but yeah. in the moment, it's you know, being that white belt in the moment, you're just like, oh my god, like yeah. I don't know anything. Like this is so I can't do this kind of a thing. And it's it's just yeah. having the people around you encouraging you. It's like, well, you you know more than you think you do. And like here, you can be yeah. some of the things can be a little more intuitive. You know, you don't yeah. have to necessarily do this exactly like that. You know, you can, yeah, whatever. And I think women kind of have the opposite problem when they start training that the guys do. The guys are just like, ah, oh, fight. And <laughs> I think women by default are not like, I joke because I teach women's only once a week. I wish I had time to teach more because I really like, I'm not one of those competitors. It's like me, me, like I, I love teaching. Like I love teaching women. It's something I'm passionate about women specifically. Um, because I just love seeing that, like the confidence that it builds and just the, just the camaraderie too, of just being in a group of just like just us and we're just training jujitsu. But I try to like a joke and be like, we need to make you a little meaner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I don't really mean make them meaner, but yeah, like we're not being mean to each other, but it's, you know, yeah, Yeah, no, I understand they're too compliant or they're too like, I don't want to hurt. I mean, I'm like, sometimes you have to do things that in jujitsu, that's good technique. That is a little bit more on the rough side. And I also, one of the jokes is like, they'll drill a sweep and the person will just like fly over. And I'm like, don't be a floppy noodle person. <laughs> yeah. Women are just like, yeah. so don't want to, I, Oh, you know, I don't want to hurt you or like put my hand by your neck or, and I love it. It's strokes are my like, favorite. Hey. I'll put my hand by your neck. Like, <laughs> I love a good choke. I love oh, yes, a good yes. choke. But I love that, and then like seeing them like build confidence in that. Like, yes, oh, I can do this. I, agree. And I can do that. Like yeah. you and I, like same passion. I love it too. Yeah. I just yeah. Every every you teach jujitsu. You probably teach um, a little bit. Well, I, I assist sometimes. I okay, with my nice. work schedule, I can't make every class. It's hard. Yeah, it yeah. It is so hard. Yeah. So, but when I'm there, you know, if if they need an assistant, well, obviously yep. I'm I'm up for it. I was like, pick me. I could see that you're so wholesome. Well, like thanks. that makes sense to me. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay. I know we've talked a lot and mm-hmm. I've ta- talked about a lot of different topics. But I I have been kind of keeping track of themes. 
And so one of the themes I wanted to have you address kind of more specifically is sort of what were some challenges you faced in your jujitsu journey so far? And then conversely, what are some lessons you've learned along the way? Yeah, those are good questions. Challenges, I think. Oh, man, there's quite a few. Um, In jujitsu, I think the fact that it's male dominated has been hard because you have to teach them to respect you as like an athlete. And I think me being very like strong helped because I'm not an e- easy role. Um, she did the air quotes podcast land, kicks quotes. That, but she did the air quotes, but it's hard, right? Because like there, there has been times in my experience where I knew that like we started rolling and I'm not speaking like at my school, like my home now, mm-hmm. Gracie Baja, like that's before I continue, like I love Gracie Baja's values and my partner does as well. And I, it's a place where I've had the most positive experience rolling with people, period, because there's a good culture and and it's not like hard training. Like I get my ass, my ass kicked, <laughs> my butt kicked on a regular basic and basis and have really hard rolls with guys. But I always feel safe with them. I always feel like you're my Mm -hmm. teammate. You're looking out for me. Like, it's very rare that I've had, I can think of maybe one time where I was like, ooh, that wasn't cool. But like, Gracie Baja almost never because it's like jujitsu for everybody. And there's a strong Mm -hmm. culture in our team where it's like, you take care of your training partner. And yeah, so I can't say enough about Gracie Baja, like jujitsu for everyone, jujitsu for life. Me and my partner went and hung out with Master Carlos Jr. last year in Floripa. So shameless plug. We love Gracie Baja. Gracie Baja is awesome. Um, one of the reasons that, you know, I'll probably be Gracie Baja for life because I just, I love what they try to do in the morals and values of Gracie Baja. My partner does as well. Um, but anyways, so I've definitely, you know, started in, in my past experience part of Gracie Baja, like, I start rolling with you, you figure out that I'm strong, that's a problem for you. But I, I can feel like when their ego, so I'm like not only fighting them, but I'm also fighting their ego. And then they'll just like do everything they can to crush me. And I've had panic attacks from from this like experience. And it makes you want to quit. And it's really hard. And I think the other thing is like I'm a hundred and thirty-five pound woman. At my heaviest day, I'm 140. And the amount, like, I mostly fight people that are minimum 50 pounds heavier. Some days I'll get lucky, like, the other day during comp training, it was a bunch of us smaller people. And I was like, woo! Um, but just <laughs> small people. Um, but just the, the toll it takes on your body is really hard, I would mm-hmm. say. Like, it's really hard. Even when you start get, becoming... You know, some days I'm like, oh, I'm finally getting the hang of this. And the other days in jiu-jitsu, I'm like, I, I should just quit. Like, I'm not getting any better. But, like, even when you have more skill, like, being at Purple Belt, I'm just like, man, like, it is hard being small. And that's <laughs> honestly, like, it's ultimately going to make me just that much better at jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu always wins. If you're technically better, like, I, you know, beat up people who are much bigger than me all the time. But, like, it's still a lot on my body, like after mm-hmm. comp training, I'm wrecked. Like I'm wrecked. Yeah, it's so. it does take a toll. I mean, that's also why rest and recovery is so important. Yeah, I'm not great you at know. that. Uh, you know, nutrition. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I'm not great at that. But I think, uh, yeah, that's been 
that's been the main the main thing is like it being so male dominated um it being hard on your body um and also just like i feel like for whatever reason and i'm trying really hard to fix to like make this better but we women just don't talk enough in general but like also in jujitsu so i think that's been a challenge as well it's getting a lot better like my gym i think we're doing really good we gotta have like a good core group of of women that train regularly which is awesome but like yeah it's just it's all it's all over the board but and the challenge is just you know training with the rest of your life and like I have really lofty goals I already I got I got one world championship under my belt but it's like yay (laughs) but it honestly I don't even really like it hasn't even really sunk in still and it was like a year ago I'm like can I do that I did that no you know but it's just it's a lot like it always costs something there's always costs Mm. associated with everything that you do and just balancing that has been been tough um the other part was um things that i've learned uh yeah ultimately i think the biggest one is it's really helped me come into who I really am. And I've learned that what I really am capable of, and it's really helped me overcome, like, you know, I'm in therapy, I'll, I'll be doing jiu-jitsu forever and probably therapy forever because I'm still working through traumas from my past. But from where I was when I started to where I am now is huge. And I credit jujitsu a lot for that because it taught me like, you know what, like, no, you are a strong woman and you can defend yourself and anywhere you go, you can feel safe. And it's like, I built that confidence. Like I, I hate, I hate to say this. I'm not trying to discriminate against blue belt guys. I'm really not, but like taking the souls of blue belt men is like partly what's <laughs> fed my <laughs> journey of healing. Um, blue belt specifically oh. because they think they're generally better than they are. I would say maybe um, the early blue belts probably the once they get belt. more experience. Yeah, once they get more experience yeah. and they're kind of heading towards their purple belt, they start to realize like, hmm. Yes. Maybe yes, you know, yes, but yes. it's yeah, I mean, and it's a it's a growing process for everyone. I feel like yeah. I was probably yeah. the same way when I was an early blue belt. For sure. For sure. We're just like, I'm way smaller than you and you're not as good as you thought you were. Um, but just being able to control that size of person, I guess, is really what it really boils down to. Because it's like, every time I do that, I'm like, this is why it was so hard to work through and why, you know, there are a lot of reasons why I shouldn't have been able to stay in jujitsu. But, and I struggled with like getting submitted and pressure at first because obviously the trauma, but it's like, oh, now I just died or I got hurt in real life. Like, it's like, oh, they submitted me or controlled me and held me down. Well, that was just another experience. You know, another, I when you get submitted and you're underneath someone, a big, especially a big guy, it's like, oh, now I, I died in real life. You know, this is the streets, I would be dead or worse. So it took me a while to really work through that. And again, finally making it to team Gracie Baja and having the great training partners and life partner that I do now has really helped that. 
but that was that was one of my biggest challenges but also learning experiences because now I'm like I have that confidence and I have that on most days belief in myself <laughs> that I can handle I know I can handle any situation in the real world so I think I think for any woman out there that's gone through a similar experience you are stronger than you think you are and anything you can't you think you can do you can do and join jujitsu because it will change yes. your life yes <laughs> it will change your life and empower you and not just in the gym but for me it's like learning to say no to people no i don't want to spend time with you no i don't agree with you no i'm not going to do that for you like maybe you're in an abusive relationship. Maybe like people are taking advantage of your time or whatever. It doesn't mean you have to be mean to them. But for me, it's like giving me the confidence to be like, actually, that's not something I want in my life. Actually, that's not something I have time to do. Actually, that's not something that I agree with. And it's crazy that that's translated, not just physically. And I don't know if this is similar to you for you, but your ability to establish boundaries in your life gets better. Oh, 100%. That's that's what happened with me too. After training jujitsu, mm-hmm. I started to become way more confident, self-confident, mm-hmm. way more yep. like, self-assured. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it helped me train my fight, flight, or freeze or fawn yes. response. I used to freeze yes. and now I fight. Yes. You know? yes. So that's yeah. different as well. Like it just, and there's so many more things. Like that's a whole different podcast episode for different time but it does it really does change your life for it does it really does I'm a huge advocate for it and just get out there and do it and obviously like it's a whole other podcast like how to choose a gym and what the red flags are I think you even did one on that Um, I have an episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah so check that out um but yeah it's it's really it's gonna change your life so sign up and obviously, we are big advocates for Crazy Baja. So, oh, definitely. We'll both plug that. <laughs> yes. Sam, where can people find you on social media? People can find me um, on Instagram. My Instagram is insanitybjj, like insanity, but Sam because my name is Sam, um, or mm-hmm. Sam Battlestar. Um, <laughs> Um, on Facebook, I'm Sam Haddlestad. The reason that I'm Sam Battlestar on Instagram is because that's what Microsoft Word wants to correct my real last name to. And I was like, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to use that. <laughs> so. That is the best mistake. Like, turn. Oh you know, like, it. it's, that is the best. <laughs> that is I'm literally the best. Battlestar. I love it so much. Thank you so much for being here. This was a lot of fun. I had a great time. It was. It was. Me too. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime. And Definitely. I would love there, to. Folks out there, support uh, Stacy. She's doing great work for uh, women in the jiu-jitsu community. And uh, let's all grow together. All right. I really hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I know I had so much fun talking to Sam. I honestly could have talked to her for another couple of hours. It was just... I just had a great time. Now, before we go, I do want to let you know there's some stuff happening over on the Patreon. 
where for just $3 a month, you can have access to early ad-free episodes. You have access to polls, to behind-the-scenes videos. Um, Purple Belts and Up have access to the raw and unedited series, which is where I post my interviews well in advance. Unedited, so you get everything, but then you also get the whole entire conversation and not just what I think is appropriate for the general public. You get everything. And I'm also doing a new series over on Patreon where I'm going to talk about um, some juicy stories from when I used to work in different industries. So you'll get that as a patron on Patreon. So if that is something that interests you, you can go over to patreon.com slash podcast and check that out. Um, if you kind of like that stuff, but you're just like, well, I don't really want to pay monthly for any of this stuff. That's not really my vibe. I do have a profile over on buymeacoffee.com where you can make like a one-time donation if that's something that you want to do. If you don't want to do any of that, then the biggest support you guys can do for me is just to listen to the episodes, share them with your friends, talk about them, spread the word, and just help more people find the podcast and you know I really appreciate everyone's support oh speaking of patreon thank you so much to my patron on patreon Anne Foster she is the host of vulgar history podcast and I will link all of that in the show notes below so you guys can go visit her and um yeah so I'll have links to Sam and her Instagram and Facebook profiles. Also, she has a profile on Smooth Comp, so I'll link that too. And then Ann Foster, my wonderful patron on Patreon. And then all the other places where you can find me. So, yeah, this was great. I'm really excited for this season, and I can't wait for the next one. See you then. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect with me while you wait for the next podcast episode, find me on Instagram at Jujiteras Podcast and at Jujitera. I'm also on Facebook at Jujiteras Podcast. You could also email me at Jujiterraspodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support me in this podcast, you can visit me on Patreon at Jujiteras Podcast where you get early ad-free access to all episodes, plus some bonus content. You could also find me on buymeacoffee.com at Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to rate and review. See you next time.